Welcome to the World Football Summit podcast, the show for football industry leaders who want to stay ahead of the game. We bring you the latest insights, trends, and stories from the experts driving innovation and progress in sports business worldwide. Join us as we dive deep into the ideas and initiatives transforming the world of football. From sustainability and innovation to player development, fan engagement, and everything in between. Our goal is to unite the global football industry and drive positive change and progress. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the World Football Summit podcast. I'm your host, Jaime, CMO at World Football Summit. Today, I bring you one of those conversations I aspired to having back when I started the show. Lou Barnes, captain at NWSL club OL Reign, and Santiago Gallo, associate general manager at the team, joined the show to give a true demonstration of what embracing sustainability at a football slash soccer is all about. The three of us discussed how sustainability is at the core of the values of the Reign and how they live those values how sustainability drives its partnership strategy and the overall relationship with the community and its stakeholders. And we also talk about leadership and setting the example for others to follow and become a sustainable-driven athlete or club. This was an inspiring conversation, and I hope that one of the things you learn from it is that the key to starting any initiative is to believe in your mission and go after it, even if things are not perfect at the beginning. But before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you that World Football Summit Europe is just around the corner on September 20th and 21st. Don't miss out on the opportunity to help shape the future of football. Head over to www.worldfootballsummit.com and buy your ticket right now. Again, that's www.worldfootballsummit.com. You can also subscribe to our newsletter where every week we send updates, trends, and everything that goes on at our events. You can find the link in the show notes. And now... Enjoy this masterclass with Lou Barnes and Santiago Gallo. Well, Lou, Santiago, thank you so much for joining us on the World Football Summit podcast. Um, this is a conversation I've been looking forward to uh, for a long time uh, because you guys are doing amazing stuff, both on the field and off the field. And, and I think the audience is going to have a very fun time with this one today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm going to ask you this first question, and I think you guys don't need any form of introduction, but, um, you know, if you can briefly introduce yourself to the audience, but I guess, more importantly, I, I want to understand why, why soccer, why your career in soccer? Lou, I, I don't know if you want to start. Yeah, sure. Um, hi, uh, thanks again for having Santi and I, we're really excited to do this. Um, my name is Lou Barnes, and I'm a defender for OL Reign in Seattle, Washington, in the NWSL. And I am in my 11th season. I started with the club in 2013. So I've been here ever since then, which I'm very proud of. Um, but I think a career in soccer for me um, probably came a little bit later in life. I think, you know, the conversation around women's football and sports in general, just trending and really being an investment for people. Um, I don't think we necessarily, I necessarily had, I think, growing up. So um you know, I, my, my idols in sports were usually NBA. Um, my dad played basketball in college, so that's kind of the sport that was in my house. Uh, we didn't really have a lot of female footballers to look up to um, during that time. So um, I was competitive in sport in general. I played basketball and soccer all the way up to high school. And, 
when, you know, other coaches and other people around soccer said, I think you can have a career in soccer is when I kind of, you know, decided to focus on that and really try to make something out of it. Um, And I think initially my first goal was to get into a college that I really, you know, valued and wanted to play soccer and also get a good education. And that was a pathway was through sport. Um, So that was really important to me. And then when I got into college and, you know, started playing with the youth national teams and stuff like that, uh, my love for the sport continued to grow and it became into uh, more than just like a passion and, and a hobby. It's something I really wanted to make a career out of. So Um, I was lucky enough to also grow up with a brother that was four years older that played all sports that, you know, he was inclusive with me to come and play with him as a little sister. And uh, I fell in love with sports in general, but um, he definitely played soccer growing up. So, you know, my love for soccer started at a really young age. um, And like I said before, like just really grew into more than a passion and something that I wanted to um, do for a career. And I think when I first came into the WPS, which I was drafted by Philly, Um, you could just see that the league was broken and it was tough for girls to survive and actually make a career out of it. So, you know, second guess yourself, you second guess, you know, like if this is something that's going to be sustainable long term. And um, I actually decided that it probably wasn't. So I went into coaching. Um, I coached at UC Riverside for a year as an assistant coach back in California, where I'm from, Um, and loved it, loved being around the girls and being in a coaching environment. But I always felt that like there was this space um, within me that I felt was unfulfilled. Um, I think that's because I didn't actually see out, you know, what potentially could happen with soccer for me. Um, the NWSL rolled back around. I was often obviously skeptical given the fact that the WPS every single day you were like, are we going to have a job? I don't really know. Um, that was kind of the cycle we lived in, which, you know, you're being asked to perform and then also have those, you know, underlying issues that cause you probably not to perform at your best or be happy or, you know, always stressed. So um, I got a call from Laura Harvey, who I didn't know at the time. She was obviously in Europe for a long time with Arsenal um, and just asked, like, well, what are your thoughts on being in Washington? And I was really excited to stay West Coast because I'm a Cali kid. So that was really attractive. Um, I liked her idea of like what she was going to play and how she was going to play and what she wanted to build. Um, And I think, you know, meeting her and the Predmores gave me a new perspective on soccer where it was, yes, going to be my career, but I also knew I can be with um, a group of people that wanted to make soccer big. And I think that's like what was important because I think that's why, one, Rain has a legacy that it does, and two, that like we have been a top team for really long in the NWSL was because, um, you know, I spoke actually with Bill this morning and it was something he instilled in me is that we always wanted to have the best club regardless And I think um, being able to be a part of that and play soccer has been something that's been really um, driving me and I think continues to drive me when I'm going into my 11th season and every day I wake up and my ankles hurt, but you keep going. So um, I think those are big reasons that I do that. Obviously, Santi's a huge part of that. He's been through a lot himself and with us as well. Um, So you just see that and you see the community that we have. Um, I now realize probably later in my life that it's more than just soccer and being able to build something for the next generations that um, will be sustainable and they will have, you know, a good career slash life um, with football. So I'm really excited to be a part of that. Well, that's amazing because you're actually leaving a legacy on the pitch because if I'm not mistaken, you broke a record, yeah. um, you know, uh, it is. <laughs> and, and, and now you're leaving a legacy of the field. So that's amazing. Thank you. Santi, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I am Santiago Gallo. I'm the associate GM of the OL Reign. Uh, 
I am from Bogota, Colombia. So I moved to the U.S. seven years ago. I've been with the rain six years ago, not as long as Lou. I would love to be here from the starting point, but I arrived here later. And I'm and soccer, why soccer? I mean, in my country, you're born with a soccer ball next to you. They give you a soccer <laughs> ball everywhere you go out and everyone's playing soccer. But as, as something related to Lou, when I was a little kid, I only saw men soccer. I was still taught that men were the only one that could play soccer. And as I grew up and as I moved on, I lived in China. I studied industrial engineering. I realized that we're not the only ones that can play soccer and we're not as good as the w women who play soccer. So when I, when I was doing a Euro trip with some friends in 2011, I think we were in Germany and we saw some advertise for the Colombian national team. We had no idea there was a World Cup. We had no idea that Colombia was going to participate in the Women's World Cup. So we just saw it. We went to... Germany, Canada, Germany won 3-0, and I fell in love with the women's sport. I thought it was very interesting, and I knew it was going to grow a lot. When I moved here to Seattle, a, the program that I did in Seattle University helped me a lot with diversity and inclusion and like understand my role in this world as a man and how I could be better as, as a man. And that helped me like find the rain. A, I found that the rain has the best soccer players in the world. That is what I really wanted because when I got here, I wanted to be with the best. I wanted to go to a top team and I always thought about, okay, I want to go to Europe. I want to go to Barcelona, Madrid because I didn't have this other perspective. But now that I have it, I want to stay here. I've been here for a long time. I, like Lou said, have gone through ups, downs, always being very competitive, always supporting the team, but being very happy that I'm here, that the club supports a lot of the purposes that I have for my life which one is sustainability, and the other one is also the immigration part and helping immigrants around the world. So uh, soccer has been mixed with my purpose in life, and that's why I'm here, and that's why I wake up every morning very passionate and very motivated to come back here and work for this club. That's a way to start strong, guys. Uh, you know, going <laughs> more than a club. I mean, I don't know how we're going to improve from here. <laughs> um, no, but thank you both for that. And, and you both mentioned... Um, sustainability, leaving a legacy. Um, and I wanted to ask you, um, in your personal uh, case, why are you such a big believer in sustainability? Because RAIN is, is, is well known for its sustainable efforts. Um, in your case, how, how does this translate to your personal life? I honestly think it's still so cool to hear you say that that's like a pillar of the RAIN. Uh, for Santi and I obviously always have, and we really have tried to build that in globally i guess um we've looked into a lot of other clubs that do it right and you know try to mimic those things while incorporating our own belief in what we want to do as well but like still hearing that i think for me Santi, we've been working on this even when Santi was back in colombia during the pandemic like we talked and did some you know activations and initiatives um together with the rain and i still think like to this day like we work so hard at this but Sometimes I feel like um, it's not as noticeable or talked about. So like hearing that, it's like really still cool for me to hear it. Like it still sinks in um, that we work so hard on something that's like completely outside of soccer, you know, um, and integrated it, both our passions into one. Um, but yeah, I think for me, the reason it's so important that I grew up, you know, in Southern California along a, a coast, a body of water um, and, you know, in the shadows of a mountain. So 
I got the best of both worlds. And I was really grateful that I was able to, you know, play in a safe space like that. I can go surf one day and then drive, you know, 45 minutes and you could go snowboarding. Like, I don't think people realize like how really cool that is, but also seeing um, how slowly or actually pretty quickly that that's, you know, not becoming a thing anymore. We don't have snow on our mountains. Uh, our oceans are polluted. Um, it's scary. Um, I obviously, you know, want to have a family and I want them to be able to, you know, see the beauty that I did and get to grow up in the same playground that I did. Um, and I think it starts, you know, it's, it's got to start somewhere. Um, and me and Santi talk about this all the time, our platform as professional athletes in a professional club, um, we have the biggest showcase to be able to have these conversations. And I think when we first started, it was just like, if we just got our locker room to have these conversations and girls to maybe just switch habits and switch mindsets just a little bit, it was a huge win for us. Like that was our start. Our, our, not that our goals and expectations were low, but we were like, let's, how do, how do we build, you know, like this is a step, you know, it's a slow journey that we want to, we want to intake on, I guess. Um, and yeah, for me, it's been like the most fulfilling thing so far. I mean, I think when we initially put out some of our things that we wanted to do in the locker room, the way the girls responded was unbelievable. You know, I mean, it is overwhelming when you talk about climate crisis. Um, it is over overwhelming when you think like one habit that one person does isn't going to change, you know, a world. Um, but I think that really changed our locker room. And that's what really kind of, you know, sank in for me was that people are really interested and they want to take care of this world just as much as Santi and I do. And, you know, being backed by one, the club, but then also like our whole locker room is uh, pretty special. And for me, that's like what it's all about. I think if you can change mindsets, um, have conversations in a safe space um, and be able to, you know, change small habits, like that's when you get, you know, such a greater impact. Um we now have had teams in the NWSL reach out to us about what we're doing and how they can implement, you know, even maybe just one thing that we're doing. And we've reached out to other, you know, clubs and organizations to also like piggyback and, you know, collab and see what we can do. And I think for Santi and I, um, the opportunities are endless. We, you know, we have so many ideas at all times and we used to laugh that, you know, our list went a whole notebook, um, and we were like, how do we check these off one by one? Um, yeah, so for me, that's kind of where it started, um, how I grew up and what I thought was important to, you know, also implement in my professional career, given the platform that I have and being able to advocate for, you know, the planet, um, the health of our planet. And, you know, making it a club that like people want to come to because of that, I think is really important. Um you know, you're, you'd be surprised by how many people like really do want to change and be better. Um, because you know, it's, it's really, it's really evident that the world is slowly kind of, you know, burning out and we can make a change for that. I think we can, we must in a way, right. And we have that yeah, certain responsibility exactly. and yeah, kind of leave a, a better world if we can, right. Santi, in your case, is there any, any particular reason or. I mean, my biggest reason is. I come from a country where there's a lot of diversity and inclusion to a culture here in Washington, in Seattle, that where there's a lot of, of diversity. And I've seen that the people that suffer the most are those from underrepresented communities and that intersection between social, social sustainability and environmental sustainability is what woke me up 
I come from a privileged place in Bogota where I didn't saw that. But when I started going out to the Amazon and see how the Amazon is burning out in Colombia and then coming here, like seeing the philosophy of people and the city of about how they want to save the world is very, very interesting to me. I worked two and a half years in EY and I got a lot of insight about how to do it on like a theoretical world and a practical world with a lot of resources. But when I got here, I got the insight, like the, the insight of people that really want to do it. Like it, like Lou said here at the Rennie, it doesn't matter if we have or we don't have resources, we end up doing it. That's how we started. Like we started, okay, let's remove plastic. Let's do whatever we have under control and what we can do, you see, and then use our platforms to impact other people. And I think that's how we've gone out uh, in the world to to have like people come to us. And then when, like Lou said, just go out to other places and just work as a team, because at this point, that this is not a competence. Football is a competence to some extent, but because it's beyond the sport, it's more of like a cooperation between everyone to to move forward. And the, and that's the most important part to me, just that intersection between the communities. I'm an immigrant. We have a lot of diversity in our locker room. We have a lot of black players. We have a lot of immigrants. We had indigenous players in the past. So we understand the LGBTQ plus people that are that also get affected by that. So it's important for us to give a safe space, like Lucette, to those to those communities and be able to not only in the social part do it, but also in the environmental part, because without the environment, we won't be able to survive. Agree. That was something that I also talked about with um, uh, Professor Mohamed Yunus, Nobel Peace Prize. He was at the event um, in Sevilla last year, and, and he was just amazed when he discovered the power of sport in general, no? to kind of influence people to do better things. Um, he was just amazed, and he actually launched his own uh, sports hub. Um, and, and I fully agree that it's, it's a, it's a tool. I don't want to say a tool, but it's a platform to really uh, get to influence people. And I wanted to ask you, Lauren, because well, before this, uh, role I have at World of Football Seven, I actually worked at a startup that was focused on environmental sustainability. Um, and one of the things I realized is you can believe so much in, 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 in the topic, but it's just hard to convince people, um, to really embrace it. Right. So. You as players, do you have a you know you have that reach? What's your role in in trying to educate people on the importance of embracing sustainability, of making the effort? Uh, because obviously, it's not a short term result that you see. Uh, so people usually you know follow that interest, let's say or that motivation. So so what's the role of the players on on that? Yeah, I think we we actually speak about this a lot. It's a very common question because like I spoke a little bit before, it is overwhelming, and sometimes you feel like how is one person going to make a difference? But I think Santi and I have talked about this. It's like walk the walk. So I think both him and I try to do, and we're imperfect, right? We're not asking anyone to do everything perfectly. Um, I feel like that's pretty impossible. And that if that's the task we're giving players or, you know, other staff members, like it is daunting and probably like something that, you know, is an added stressor in life that life is hard already as it is. Um, so just being able to, you know, change what you can on your time, I think is really important. Um, you know, even when I like first started, it's like, how many times do you forget your grocery bag? And it feels like you've been defeated, <laughs> but you know, it's like, okay, so how do you get to a routine? So, you know, I leave bags in my car now. So like I've got five, six bags. So like now that's kind of just like a habit. So I think there's been like slow transitions like that, where 
And for me, it is like um, I'm a leader on the team as a captain, but I'm also a leader in sustainability. So, you know, being able to implement those things in my own life and girls actually see me doing it and also seeing me not do it, I think is important. Right. So then they're like, okay, like you are, you know, normal. This does happen. It's okay. Um, It's just like actually like, you know, being able to be aware of that and then change it when you can. And, you know, and it's, it's built. It's not something that you just do overnight. Um, pretty much like anything in life, right? You know, it takes about 30 days to break a habit. So it's like, you know, if you can stay consistent and what I like to tell the girls is like, you know, attainable goals. If it means like you're just going to do, you know, your reusable water bottle for the trips and that's where you're going to start, do it for a year, you know, and just do that. And then when you feel like you've got that and you, and it does give you a sense of like reward when you do accomplish that. And, that, you know, you do feel like you make an impact. I really do believe even when it's one simple thing, and you do it consistently that you're like, that felt good, you know? So then it's like, okay, now you add a couple more things. So now I'm bringing my, you know, grocery bag or, you know, I'm traveling lighter or things just like that, where you can start adding on to, you know, your one habit that you've created in a positive way. Um, but just knowing that like, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get it wrong every once in a while. Um, but I think it's a trickle effect. So I think once like I've done that and am consistent with it, and then there's three girls. So, you know, like I have Jazzy Spencer who started a sustainable clothing line, Danny Weatherwalt, who's very into, you know, environmental um, sustainability. They've all gone to different clubs now and have implemented that into their own clubs. So that's how like fast and easy those things spread, right? And as simple as like, I mean, Sansa, we fought so hard to get a recycling bin in our locker room, you know, and, you know, some girls go to other clubs and they'll write me and be like, Lou, we don't even have a recycling bin. And I'm like, you have to remember, we had to fight for that too. You know, so it's like, as long as you can like, you know, speak up and, you know, take positives away from your experience and bring them into other places. I think that's how, you know, that positive effect is like a spider web and it kind of just spreads and, um, I've seen it firsthand and I know it works. So um, I just continue to, you know, be a positive leader in that sense. And I'm a big leader that, you know, leads by um, action. So um, as long as like someone can take a little piece of that away from like what I'm doing and bring it into their own life, into their own families and, you know, all the way to Colombia, like, you know, it becomes a global spread. And uh, I think that's like special and really important. Um, And I stand by that and I stand by being imperfect and um, own that. So I think that's kind of where where it started. <laughs> well, you know, consistency is not perfect. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like, in a way, I always like to compare this to, in, in the end, a season, a, a soccer season. You're never perfect, but if you're consistent, yeah, you, end, totally. you end up winning, right? <laughs> so So it's just keep going at it and, you know, getting back up when you lose, quote unquote, lose. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's, you know, walk the walk, be consistent. Um, so those are great messages. And, um, but Santi, I want to ask you, because at the end of the day, you're running a soccer club and, you know, we kind of forget that it also has, let's say, business objectives. Right. So how do you match that? How do you match, well, let's say the commercial goals with the mission you have from a, you know, from a sustainability perspective, if you will, as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the first thing here, it's the importance that the players have in this club. The players are the center of this club, so having their support 
with whatever we do is very important for us to achieve our mission. Part of our mission is to be the best club in and out of the field and having their back is very important. So when you go to ownership and you tell them, hey, I have eight, nine, all the roster that want to do this, at the end of the day, my role and my job there is to show ownership that we're going to get either commercial gain or a reputational gain, or this is going to help the players experience here. So uh, that, that's easy because if we implement sustainability, we do what the players want and we help them focus on the sport, then that's going to help them uh, that, that's going to help the organization grow. But because it's so easy with ownership to talk to them, to help them understand what our players want, um, it's, it's, it's just, it just happens. Um, and it, it, it will happen that way or it will happen any other way because if we think it, it, that's the good thing to do, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, and, the, and the most important part. So, for example, to, just to give you a couple of examples, at the beginning, when I was here at the rain, I just sat with Lou. We spoke about the problems that we had. We spoke about what we could control and the stuff that we were able to do. And I went to ownership, explained to them. They, at the beginning, didn't see a lot of financial gain on it in the short term, but I explained to them in the long term, this is going to give you a lot of financial gain because the people in Seattle's philosophy is to be sustainable because our players' philosophy is to be sustainable because your staff philosophy is sustainable. So you have almost all your stakeholders willing to want to be sustainable. Now we're getting partnerships. So now we're seeing the financial gain. We're partnering with companies that are sustainable that are willing to pay to show that they are like us. So for example, Everybody Water, a boxed company, a water company that we have here, have their water here, so we don't use plastic, we use this, are willing to pay to be aligned with us and to be seen as a company that is sustainable. And that's the big thing now. We have companies that are willing to pay their money because they want to know, show that they are like Lou Barnes, who is a sustainable athlete and who is one of the best athletes in the world, who are like Megan Rapino, who we know what she does, who are like um, in LA, like with Danny Weatherhorn or in any other clubs because they are sustainable and they're willing to, like that's how you move forward too. Because also at the end of the day, we are consistent with our message we don't go out and send out a message that it doesn't reflect who we are if we are doing these sustainable things we don't lie to people we don't greenwash and that's i think my biggest principle here even if we're walking our walk we show people we're walking it we show people that we have things to be better at uh, and not just go out and tell okay we're carbon neutral without even measuring our emissions we're right now at the club just starting to measure our emissions or only our air emissions. And that's a good start for us because that's how we're doing our, our work. Good stuff. And there's that word again, consistency, right? So I like that because you're taking that concept of consistency and walking the walk throughout all the levels of the organization. It's not just, you know, in the locker room or just the commercial area. It's, it's, a, it's embedded in the culture, I would say, of the, of, of the, of the team, right? So, so that's nice to see. Yeah. Um, I would think added to that is also transparency. I think Santi okay. kind of hit on it a little bit, you know, consistency and transparency where it's like, if we're showing what we're doing and that there's also room for improvement, I think it inspires other clubs and companies to start somewhere, right? Like, I don't think you have to like have everything in place to start moving in the right direction. Um, and I think by being transparent as a club, like we show that that's attainable and doable. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, that was actually something that we discussed in the podcast with um, the head of marketing, Adriel Betis. Uh, they have the strong, sustainable program here with Forever Green. And, and she said the exact same thing. She said, when we started, we were like, we don't know what we're doing, but we have to go and we have to do this because it's important for us to do this, right? And, and, and it's just building up from there. And now they're in a similar position. You know, you were mentioning before, Lou, like, know how you were amazed that that you know that you're seen as an example in the world and and you are and it happened the same to Betis where they're getting calls from clubs like Manchester United and Roma to do you know sustainable initiatives and they started from scratch really it's just a matter of showing the way I guess right and you were mentioning before Lou that you know um, the players are big believers in the mission and now they some of them are moving on to other clubs and they're actually you know um, expanding uh, the, the message out in other clubs but what about the fans how how do you guys connect with the fans, because you guys have, you know, big visibility, you have, you know, a lot of platform, you have a lot of global fans around the world. How do you connect with fans and, and I don't want to say educate them, but really let them know that this is important that they, they should embrace this as well? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good, good question. And I think a lot of it comes back to being consistent and doing what I feel is right and advocating for myself and also the environment. But what I think is really special about women's sports in general, that for a very long time, um, our club and our badge weren't what sold tickets. It was fans getting to know the players. And that's how women's sports are, are run, I think, in my eyes, is that there is definitely more of a organic, natural, like, we connect as people to people and not necessarily as, like, an athlete to a fan. Um, and that started for me, like, in WPS plus, you know, first couple of years with rain to even get our name out there. We are working hard in the communities, you know, meeting people, uh, really like showcasing who we are. And so obviously a big part of that was sustainability for me. Um, and lucky enough, we're in the Pacific Northwest, which is probably one of the most sustainable, you know, conscious minded living people on the planet up here. Um, they really take care of what we have. Um, we are surrounded by water. We're surrounded by nature. We're surrounded by mountains and it's all very beautiful. And they take pride in that. Um, so I think for me also, you know, right time, right place initially that I was backed immediately. Like they thought it was so cool that like, you know, a soccer team even wanted to speak about sustainability and doing small initiatives, whether it was in our own locker room or doing appearances, you know, with small companies, you know, small businesses that, you know, have also a pillar of sustainability um, and connecting through that way. Because, I mean, you know, take, for example, you know, Fulcrum, which is a coffee um, shop up here that does sustainable work. You know, their farmers are paid, their everything is like done right and sustainable. And Seattle loves its coffee. You know, so then we connect, right? So now it's like soccer and coffee and sustainability. And it's like, there's like one demographic right there that's like, you connect so fast with. And then it spreads to other, you know, companies. Uh, we've done so much work in the community and with the intention of working with people that also are mindful of sustainability in their own businesses. Um, so we can also highlight them. We can also learn from them. We can also help educate others. Um so I think, yeah, as a, a community up here, um, it's really inviting to educate and learn. Uh, we have that really cool space up here. 
Um, and then on top of it, that sustainability is a priority for the Pacific Northwest in general. Um, it's been quite easy. I know like that sounds like a funny answer, but I think being able to one, have those connections with the fans that we do for reasons that I told you before, and then, you know, working with other small businesses that actually keep the city running and, um, you know, showcasing and, ex yeah. and collaborating and um, making this, I always say the most sustainable club in the NWSL and hopefully one day. Uh, well, hopefully. And how important um, the word context is there, right? I mean, um, that's, that's something that really determines the success of these initiatives. Um, you have, you know, a lot of clubs actually competing for that, being the most sustainable club. But, you know, I think, you know what? This is a team sport, right? So if we get many top clubs in there, that's going to be great. Um, and, and Santi, um, actually, uh, I'm going to go to gonna link this question to something that Lou was just mentioning, which is you guys actually have the goal. Uh, to to become the greenest club in the USA, that's like a formal goal, I think, right? If if I'm not mistaken. So, um, I guess it's a two part question. Um, how are you measuring your progress towards that? And then, you mentioned greenwashing, uh, before. How do you, let's say, avoid, um, or or, yeah, maybe avoid that that greenwashing if it's if the word is avoid, or or, or maybe come across as this is a greenwashing initiative rather than a true. Uh, thing that the club believes in? Well, I think we avoid all that by by researching, by talking to other people, by benchmarking, by aligning with standards. So like, for example, aligning with the um, UN Football for the Goals initiative helped open us a platform to talk with other clubs uh, by speaking with our athletes, speaking with different stakeholders. I think whenever we have discussions with our players, uh, we understand how we're doing things. I think open communication is very important. So again, to give you an example, just like with the carbon footprint, we know that we're not measuring everything. We know that we don't have a lot of under control, but we know that our stadium where we play is very sustainable. Uh, we just don't have access to their numbers. So we're not going to go out and tell you something we don't know. But what we can know is how many players travel to each game, how much luggage we're taking, how much models we're doing. And that gives me information to tell you how much we're generating. And I, that's something I can tell you. And that's something I'm not going to lie to you because I have the data and I can public the data to everyone so that everyone knows about it. So I think it's being very rigorous with the data that we have, the information that we have and how we use the information to show it to the public. Because that's the other thing. We don't want to go out to tell the public, okay, we generated this amount of tons of CO2. There, people don't understand what is that. So part of that is teaching people. So you go out and tell them, okay, this is the amount, this is the equivalent for you to charge your phone or to use your car and stuff like that. So like people can understand the impact that we're making when we're doing those or we're generating those emissions. And also the other parties being very rigorous on who we partner with and how we do our stuff. Because one of the biggest things that I always say is that we have hey, our players hey, hold us accountable. And our players are very consistent and very transparent with how they do their stuff. Because so they are the best athletes in the world. So they they are they want us to do the be the best club in the world. And how do we do it? Talking to them and understanding their feedback whenever there is, and trying to be better and doing the best we can. And I know one of those is being a consistent with how we think, how we speak, and how we act. Because that's how they do it in the field. 
So we just have to be up to to to, the, to their level on how we act as a club, and that's the biggest inspiration we have a, on it. Just having the best athletes and and keeping up with their standards as much as we can, and being transparent, which is something that Lou was mentioning before, right? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you and being humble. I think one of the things that uh, that's coming across from this conversation as well is that you guys are humble, being meaning you understand you're not going to be perfect, but again. It's better to start with something than do nothing just because you're not perfect, right? And just grow from there. Um, I, I want to add one thing there because I think, I think with the idea of us starting small, it started to become, I wouldn't want to say the word monster, but it started to become a big deal. Like we started having people approach to us and it was just Lou and me doing, okay, let's try to avoid plastic. Let's try to uh, just organize how we do our waste. And the waste stuff. So it's, and we just tell people we make mistakes. We don't do everything. We use the resources that we have. And that's how, how we do it. And now, like just having people reach out from everywhere in the world is very impactful for both of us. You guys are traveling the same exact journey as Real Betis. It's kind of like a clone of the conversation because um, Rocío, the head of marketing, mentioned the same thing. And suddenly one day she woke up and she's like, wow we've done all this already, you know? So she was kind of amazed, you know? So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's funny to hear that. Um, side question, Lou, because you even started your own, um, quote-unquote, make a difference travel kits, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, so how did that idea come to mind? I'm curious. Yeah, um, I think the idea came to mind a little bit after the pandemic because I think when we saw, given, you know, the rules that we had to go by for safety, which makes so much sense, but everything was single-use plastic. So you would use it, give it, and toss it in the trash because COVID, we didn't know really what was going on at the time and how to navigate and operate in that um, bubble that we had in Utah. Um, so the idea sparked that, you know, if I can get us reusable stuff that we're just washing ourselves and it's just our individual stuff that kind of eliminates, you know, any spreading for one, but then also eliminates single-use plastic. So I reached out to a water bottle company, a utensil company, and a plate company, and they sent us all stuff for the girls, uh, the team, um, within days. So, you know, just off the bat, we were the most sustainable in the bubble. And I'm like, why does it have to end here? Like, it was a short-term goal for me initially because the bubble was going to be, you know, a month and a half long. It was short. It was. It seemed attainable for me to do that and also play um, in a tournament. So, um, yeah. But then I saw the impact, like I told you, of the girls and how interesting they were to be more educated um, on sustainability and also, you know, the amount of effort and support, I guess, of how they can help and better things. Um, was a, a bit of a driving force for me moving forward with the mad kit. Um, so I was like, just thinking on ideas of like what I can do. And I was like, well, every year you get your new kit, you get your new boots, you get your shinies, you know, you get all that lined up every single year when you come into pre uh, to preseason. And I'm like, why don't we have a sustainable kit as well? So you have everything you essentially need for an entire year plus, because when you invest in these good companies, you can use their products for years on and probably forever if you, you know, if you take care of it and you keep them and whatnot. Um, so that's where it really sparked. So um, 
I was in talks with like over 40 companies, um, you know, every single day for about six months to really pin down like who I wanted in these kits. Um, they had to have a good history and a good track record of being sustainable. Um, I tried to focus on local and small initially. Um, so we went everywhere from reusable Q-tips, toothbrushes, um, you know, topical pain ointments, diva cups, water bottles. So everything you think you would use when you traveled or that we would use as athletes in the locker room, I made sure we had a alternative that was sustainable for us. Um, so when everyone walked in for preseason that year, I had their kits, um, you know, laid on top of their, their jerseys, explained what it was. And the, the idea behind that was that if you decided to take this kit, that you're also committing to a year of being sustainable. So it's also like we put a little responsibility back on the team to, you know, like in what we talked about have your goals of what looks sustainable to you and what you can attain and then do it for a year. So that's kind of how that initi uh, initiative started. Um, it really took off. I got a lot of, you know, compliments. I got a lot of feedback. I got a lot of people reaching out about it. Um, I had talks on trying to get things into Lumen where you can buy like a piece of the mad kit, which if it's like the toiletry side of it. So you got your toothbrush, toothpaces, you know, your toiletry bag, all of that. So I haven't been able to do anything since then, which like I still want to. It's still very much a goal of mine, but it's hard to be competing at the highest level and do those things on the side. Um, but, you know, having podcasts and conversations like this do help because, you know, it's it's a networking opportunity as well where, you know, you just find someone that's like, I, I want to help on this. And then I can like actually, you know, be able to, yeah, not have it all on one plate. And not just my plate, but for Santi and I. And um, I think Lumen is a big one for me that I still want to have conversations with them to, you know, have something more sustainable that's connected to the rain. We have the Climate Pledge up here with the Kraken, which has been unbelievable, like has literally like swept me off my feet with how they executed that stadium and all of their beliefs. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's our standard. You know, so it's like, yes, it's the highest standard you could possibly hit, but it's a standard. And, you know, you, you, you move slowly and steadily to get up there. So, um, yeah, initially just started with, like, why wouldn't we have these things coming into every preseason? And obviously you just need it probably once. And then when new players arrive for preseason that they also get the kit to, you know, continue to enjoy their own sustainable journey. journey. Um, and I loved it. I loved doing it. I got to speak to incredible, you know, businesses doing incredible work in the, in the world and keep in contact with a lot of them. Um, and we help each other, you know, when we need, if it's me just advocating, you know, for something simple that they've, you know, put on their website or their, you know, new invention that they want to do with like a toothbrush, whatever it may be. Um, I, I do get reached out a lot with that and love being able to be an athlete that's able to do that and highlight their story and, spread the word for that so um yeah that was the idea behind the mad kits well congratulations um because i know it's it, it must have been you know hard work and it goes back to the theme of the entire conversation really it's just uh starting small and just take it one step at a time and okay you might not be able to dedicate as much as time as you would want right now but who knows you know maybe later on let you pick that up and then that starts to scale so everything will come i think right 
Um, and Santi, you 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 alluded this to the, um, to this before. Um, how are you? Because uh, this is also opening up opportunities for partnerships with other clubs and sports teams around the world, right? So, um, so so how how are you, is there any that you would highlight or, or that you would you know want to call out or that really surprises you? I mean, at the end of the day, it's not a specific one. Is what we ask a partner to do on behalf of what we're signing with them, which is for them to give some money to community events and to sustainability. For example, with Everybody Water, Everybody Water is a boxed car cardboard company and they use their revenue to support women that don't have access to water in Latin Thank America. You. So that alignment is very big for us. But also the local partnerships with us, like for example, with Intentionalist, which is a platform of small businesses that uh, gives access uh, to for people to go and have their Coffee at Fulcrum, which is a LGBTQ plus Latin owned company that helps the environment, yeah, but also totally. helps people, not even in Latin America, but also in Africa. Or for example, we just finished a, a partnership with a car place to give our players and our staff car maintenance, and it is a Latin LGBTQ plus place. So those are the things that are impactful for us, just like help support those minorities that are affected, that are the first ones affected by the environment crisis that we have and help them uh, and support them with everything they need. Because at the end of the day, if we don't support all of us, then we're not going to rise together. I'm just writing down all of the excuses that I'm, you know, that I have to write down um, to get to travel to see you guys. You know, the top quality soccer, <laughs> the sustainability, now the coffee, I mean, guys, come on. <laughs> I'm going to have to make it there at, at some point soon, right? Now, jokes aside, um, I, I was just thinking, has it always been easy? Have there been any challenges that you've had to overcome um, or that you recall? Louis, at the whoever wants to take. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like, <clears throat> especially in the beginning, women's soccer is just a low resource in all sense of the word. <laughs> Um, we had to fight hard to make sustainability even a conversation with our ownership, with the girls. And that's probably the hard, hardest thing you possibly can do. Um, like you said, you, you don't see a physical impact really right away, maybe ever sometimes. Um, but I think when you can either show them a dollar sign or if you invest now in this, you do get your return, um, which we've talked about a lot. Um, with our club but yeah I mean I think we we always laugh I think Santi wears about 25 hats in the club I probably wear about 25 hats in the club and sometimes your priority just isn't you know are we using plastic are we not like and it hurts because it's something that we're both very passionate about um but we celebrate our wins when we have them um and don't don't get discouraged when um, we have setbacks I think in being inconsistent, uh, being consistent with that mentality is important. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had stadium relocations in the last two, you know, two years. That's hard. <laughs> you finally get a groove in one stadium and then it's all of a sudden you get chucked into another, which we're fortunate it is Lumen and they have their own pillars of sustainability, which for us was, I think, a bit of a, a relief. We didn't have to like really start from ground zero again. Um, we got to collaborate and be with a fairly big company that can help us. Um, 
because there's resources in that, which is something that we lack um, when it comes to sustainability. So, yeah, I mean, there was so many obstacles. And when you have, you know, a transition in the club ownership, coaches, staff, like you're re-educating all these people every single time they come in. That's daunting. That's exhausting. Um, sometimes you feel like a broken record saying the same things over and over again. And, you know, having to try to convince someone over and over again that, you know, it's doable and this is how we do it at our club. Um, but I think what's special really about our club is that, like Santi said, obviously the community, we're so well connected, but we have a community within our own locker room where we are diverse and we do that. It's intentional. Um, we want to be sustainable. That's intentional. Um, so when we do recruit players, staff members, um, that's part of the resume now at this point, you know, which is really cool. So I think one, we are sought after as a club because, you know, people know that we're inclusive, we're safe. Um, we advocate, we highlight, um, and we don't have, you know, there's non-negotiables for that, for the rain. Um, and I think we're really clear with that to ourselves and our community within the locker room, but also to the world, um, which is a brave thing to do. I think there's a lot of, you know, backlash sometimes when it comes to that. Um, but we've, we've stayed strong for so long and, um, you know, it, it's obviously a bigger picture because sustainability is intertwined with everything, essentially what I've come to learn. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of, you know, the importance of like what we're doing is not just, you know, eliminating single-use plastic. It's it's building a community that wants to do good and celebrate each other and support each other. Good stuff. Santi, anything you want to add there or? No, it a little said everything. <laughs> a little here, everything. So guys, uh, we have just a few minutes left. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, just a couple of questions from my end. What would you recommend, if anything, um, to clubs first or, or players even um, who are starting to or want to start their journey towards not only embracing sustainability as themselves, but also trying to influence their community to do the same. Any Anything top of mind? You can do it. I mean, literally this started with Santi and I in an idea. I love that. Yeah, I think, I think go step by step. Understand what your step looks like and not what each, like what every, like what outside looks like. Just live, live your own journey. And I would say have open communication with all the different stakeholders of your club. Listen to the important stakeholders of your club and the people that impact the decisions of your club. Align them and make those decisions in 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 order to be consistent with the steps that you want to take as a club or as an individual. And I guess last question from my side. Um, is there any moment that you're most proud of in all this journey? Honestly, I said at the beginning of this podcast that People see us as, you know, inspiration uh, for sustainability, a lot of other things as well. Um, but that we're more than a football club. I feel like sport, especially in America, is just, it drives the U.S. Um, in so many capacities, but um, mostly for the sport. So I think being able to, you know, have a sport drive something that's just bigger. Um, in capacity to this world, I think is like something Santi and I should be very proud of. And I am with him and vice versa. So, um, yeah, I think that's like pretty special on that, you know, we started it as, you know, a small club in the NWSL, you know, so many years ago. And, you know, now it's a conversation that like 
almost every club is kind of having when, you know, you're operating and you're trying to figure out what your foundation and pillars are. I, I have two different proud things. One is a selfish one, which is mine. And then a club one, I think selfish one was being hired by this club and understanding the alignment that the players had with how I see my life and the purpose of my life made me very proud because that meant that there were, there was a baseline. There was like a principle that where you could start that made me so proud, even though we didn't do anything. Like when I started speaking with Luke and it was like, okay, I, I want to do something. I was like, yeah, I want to do something else. So that is very proud because you don't find that in, in a lot of places. The second one was when the pandemic started, I had to go back to Colombia for one year because my visa couldn't be renewed. Having the club and having Lou reach out to me made me very proud because that meant that what I've done, the principles that we started were working like that was meaningful for the club, that there was something that I did that was meaningful for someone. So that made me very proud. And then the third one was coming back and continue the work and also starting being called by people to talk about this as a club. I'm not, now I'm going to go to the club, like having the UN come to you and tell you, hey, we want to do stuff with you. We want to work together. It tells you that all the work that you've been doing, all the ups and downs, all is, is worthwhile. And just making that little impact and seeing any other clubs in the NWSL try to do that is very, 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 makes us very proud. Like having, for example, last year I had the league call me or I spoke with the league about creating a sustainability co committee that, that shows you that there's something going on there and that people are look of what you do. Well, thank you both because those are amazing answers. And what I take from them is actually something I've been thinking about the entire conversation. You guys are a team on the pitch, but off the pitch and more importantly, off the pitch. Um, you know, you, you, you guys, I mean, I guess some other clubs, they just go in, you know, they win their games, they go back home and, you know, we'll see you again tomorrow. I think you guys are a team in, in the mission and the objective that you guys uh, believe in and that you guys want to pursue and you guys are relentless towards getting to that. Um, and I want to thank you because, and I truly mean this, it's been an inspiring conversation um, because I hope the audience understands that this is something about just getting started, you know, uh, start the game, start playing, and then, you know, grow from there and improve and, and be transparent about it. And, and as Lou said, I think that was awesome advice. You can do it. So thank you both very much. Uh, I hope uh, I can bring you back someday and, and, you know, we can keep talking about all the many things that I'm probably sure you guys have uh, uh, thought about and, 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 and how it's evolved from there. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. And there you have him. Lou Barnes and Santiago Gallo from The Rain. Wow. That was inspiring stuff. I will leave you with just a few, but very strong takeaways. First, don't underestimate the value of consistency and walking the walk. Be the example that you want others to follow. But remember, being consistent is not the same as being perfect. To that point, don't be afraid to be transparent and admit when you make a mistake. Own it, learn from it, and move on. Third, start small, one step at a time. That's how all successful initiatives start if you think about it. One of the themes of the conversation, if you notice, is that Lou and Santi are a team, and the entire organization is a team on the pitch and off it. As Santi said, that alignment is a difference maker. And finally, as Lou said, you can do it. Believe in yourself and get after it. Did anything else stand out to you? Let us know on social media. 
Don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast on your platform of choice and share it with your industry colleagues. Remember, you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can find the link in the show notes. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the World Football Summit podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and you learned something new. I'm sure I did. Have a great rest of your day and we hope to see you next time.